If you have your Bibles this morning, I, I encourage you to open to Matthew chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there's some in the window, uh, some at the Welcome Center. Please grab one, our gift to you, so that you can join us in being in God's Word throughout the week. I want to share just a couple things with you before we jump into the message. One, for you guys, uh, this Thursday uh, at 6 p.m., we will be together for our area-wide men's night of worship. Uh, We start with a good meal. Joe Lizer and Jeff Howe uh, will be feeding us uh, this, this, this Thursday. Uh, and then Eric Seckman from South Parkersburg Baptist will be here to lead us in worship. Then we'll have a time in God's Word together uh, and, and some prayer time together. So please, guys, of all ages, encourage you to come out on Thursday uh, to be here for that. Uh, it will be a good pick-me-up in the, for the second part of, of our week as we get ready to go into the weekend. Um, so we have two more men's night of worship, uh, we hope. We hope the weather behaves itself and COVID's COVID stays away. Um, And then in April, the first weekend in April, we are having our Man Up Weekend, uh, which is our version of a a men's retreat. Uh, We typically do that in the fall, but we had to push it last fall to the spring. Uh, So we hope that all of you guys, uh, juniors and seniors in high school and on up, will join us uh, at Camp Cowan. Uh, for a weekend just of being in nature, of great food, great fellowship, learning how to stand united. So that's open to high school students, college students, uh, uh, old guys like myself, uh, older guys uh, like Gary Sampson, um, and if there's anybody older than than Gary, uh, they're welcome too. Um, But we would love to have you come uh, for that weekend uh, at Camp Cowan. Then, something for you to mark on your calendar, everybody. We live in a time where there is all kinds of lies swirling around, where culture is trying to tell you about who you are, what your identity should be, uh, tries to tell us stuff about race and gender and all kinds of stuff. We want to invite you to join us here on um, uh, April the 29th for something called Secret Church. Now, if, you, uh, if you've been around for a while, you've known that we've done Secret Church uh, for, uh, before. Uh, we've had it canceled before, um, but uh, we are going to be together on the 29th of April uh, for Secret Church. And what it is, it, it is like drinking from a fire hydrant. And it's David Platt is the one who is teaching, and he's going to tackle the question of who am I? And we have talked a lot about that here and he's going to talk on some, some topics that we haven't yet talked about here. I encourage you to come. You can go to our website, and you can scroll down to upcoming events and click on it and register. If you register there, it's on us. We pay for it. If you go to Radical.net and register, it's on you. And you, flip, you flip the bill for that. Uh, so, uh, so I encourage you to come and join us. Um, and it go, starts at 7 p.m. on a Friday and goes into the wee hours of the morning. Um, so if you can come for even a, a, the first part, uh, we encourage you to do that. Please, please, please uh, and prayerfully consider setting aside uh, a little bit of Friday evening and Saturday morning to be here to talk about this important, uh, the, these important topics. So I uh, just encourage you to take advantage to of all of the discipleship opportunities here. So last week uh, in our series in Matthew chapter 16, Peter got his lunch handed to him by Jesus. He stood up and said something like, God forbid this would happen to you, 
And Jesus told him, you get behind me, Satan. Peter thought he was standing up for somebody that he loved and trying to to skirt around the horror of death. But Jesus said, get behind me. You don't understand what you're talking about because you have your mind set on the things of man rather than on the things of God. And we talked a little bit about what that meant. And today, I want to, we're going to continue that a little bit. And, and as we tackle the, over the next few weeks, the remainder of this chapter 16. Because as horrible as Jesus dying would be, as horrible as it sounded to the apostle Peter, we need to know, we need to realize in our head and in our heart that it was also the greatest good that the world could ever know. Because without it, And without the resurrection, us sitting here today would just be a step, would be an activity in futility. The way that we live our lives for other people and for our Savior would be worthless if Jesus hasn't died and hadn't risen again. So today, how can we avoid this mistake that Peter made? Is there something that we can learn from it? Is there something that we can do to avoid doing having our minds set on things of man and in turn doing the work of Satan. Jesus shows us how we can do that. In these last few verses of this chapter, he shows us that. We're just going to touch on it a little bit today, and in the next several weeks, we're going to unfold it more and more. So as we start this off, I encourage you to open your Bible, open your device, turn it to Matthew chapter 16, and let's read almost the rest of this chapter. In verse 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. What will it benefit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his life? Or what will a man give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. God, I thank you for the truth that we can sing and the the, the songs that were selected. God, in a way that they honor you. God, I pray that they also encourage us in our faith walk. And God, we are so thankful for the absolute truth that is in your word. And God, we pray that we are daily thankful for it and that it can bring us closer and closer to you. And God, help us to be able to worship you more fully because of the the, the understanding and the knowledge we gain from your word. God, help us to relent daily to the Holy Spirit, his power, his guidance in our lives. And God, as we strive to live for you in this world, and God, I pray that we are more and more successful each day that you give us breath as we constantly yield to your Spirit's guiding. God, today, for just the next few moments, God, remove all side distractions. God, allow us to focus on your word. God, I pray that you would give me a clarity of words and of thoughts as I share with my faith family uh, about how your ways differ from ours. 
And God, help us to, to want to put all of our faith and our trust and our energy behind what you want rather than what we do. God, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. This week, the unique characteristic of the church or the DNA of the church that we want to focus on, that we want to add to our ongoing definition is this. The church is a community of people who suffer and die willingly. Sounds fun, doesn't it? All of us are going to die unless Jesus returns to take his bride home all of us are going to die. So how do we wrestle with that? How, do we, how should we focus that on that? Jesus gives us some words. Peter's reaction, Peter's response gives us some truth that we need uh, to, to, to model in our own lives. Uh, just as Peter needed a different understanding, we need a different understanding of what God's purposes are. So today, before we jump into Jesus' instructions, and that's what the rest of this chapter is, is Jesus' instruction to us about how to follow after him, how to be a disciple, let's look and get a better appreciation and understanding for the misconception that led to all of this. So here's my purpose, here's my desire for you uh, before we walk out the door in just a few minutes. One is that we understand God's purpose for death. Two is that we know how to better live in the tension between the right now and the end. Whether that's Jesus calling us home one by one or whether that's Jesus returning to take us all away to rescue and redeem his bride finally. And here's what this misconception was. You see the fundamental mistake that Peter made was in assuming that God's highest priority was in preserving earthly life. Let me say that to you again. Peter's fundamental mistake was in assuming that God's highest priority was in preserving earthly life. That's what led Peter to say, God forbid that this would happen to you. Jesus said, I must suffer, I must die, and Jesus said, or God, Peter said, not on my watch. That's not going to happen to you. But Peter was thinking about death like we think about death, from a human perspective, not from God's perspective. So today, we want to focus on what God's purpose, what his design for death was. I encourage you to go back and read the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, I, I don't believe that our purpose was ever to experience death until sin corrupted the world. I, I encourage you to go back and look, for, look at that. But when, when Peter, or when, when Adam messed up, when he and Eve believed the lie of Satan over the truth of God, God uh, put into plan what he knew he would have to put into action as soon as he decided to create man, before he decided to create man. And that is a path to redemption. So Peter right, had one understanding. We need to have a different. And, and when we look at this, it's funny to just think about how we understand and how we approach death. Because in one way, we don't want to talk about death at all. Right? We want to change the subject. That's what Peter wanted to do in the text. Jesus said, I got to do this, I have to, must die. Peter wants to change the focus of the conversation. 
So in, in, on one hand, we, are, we, we, we deny that it's going to happen to us. We don't want to talk about it. We like to live in ignorance of it because ignorance is bliss. Uh, and, we, and we don't want to just deal with it because it's painful. And if we've lived long enough, we've experienced the pain of death. It robs us. It takes somebody that we love away from us before we're ready to say goodbye to them. It interrupts our plans for our life. We don't want to talk about it. But then on the other hand, it seems like we, everything revolves around it. It's something that we all share. I mean, isn't the statement true? Nothing's certain in this life except death and taxes. Ta ta not Texas. <laughs> taxes. All right. I, it, so, so a lot of times we, we, we uh, devote a lot of energy to it, like, uh, like holding it off, like making sure that we're taking care of this body as best as we can to stave off death for as long as we can. Some of us decide that we're not going to do things with our life. Like I can guarantee you that there are some ways that I am not going to die. I, there is no way that you're going to read in the obituary that Tony Foreman went, went, went parachute jumping right, and his chute didn't open. Now, it's I'm not going to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Now, it's different if I'm going someplace and it's going down and I have an option of jumping or staying with the plane. I'll take my option. I'm also, Roy, you're not going to see my name listed as dying at bridge day uh, when people uh, bungee jumping off the New River Bridge. Right? I'm not going to do that. If I do that, you know I was pushed, okay? But uh, not Shelby. <laughs> I don't think I was supposed to hear that. But it seems like we have this love-hate, mostly-hate relationship with death because it scares us, but we ignore it quite a bit. And unbelievers fear death because it's the end, and they don't know what's next, and they don't, they don't want to accept what's next, and it drives them to push death out of their minds. Because, But that's not the way God thinks about death. And you see, when... When Adam and Eve messed up, God told them, so when you eat, if you eat of this tree, you're going to die. And when they took that bite, they died spiritually. And then as you read the story, we see that God attaches a death sentence, a physical death sentence to that. In, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, you will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground. He's not talking here about the meat sweats, guys. Right? When you're trying to get down that burger, he's talking about it's going to be hard, it's going to be laborious, it's going to be difficult. Right? Thorns are going to make it difficult. And, and women, you've got something coming for you as well, but you're going to return to the ground because that's where you came. A death sentence was given. But it wasn't a punitive measure. The Lord was taking a step in death to solve the problem that Adam created. I want you to wrestle with that just for a second. That in death, God was taking a step towards solving a problem that Adam created. From God's point of view, I believe that the death of our sinful body has two primary positive effects. And I want you to hold on to that. Positive. First, the death of our physical body puts limits, puts a time limit on mankind's sinful existence in this world. First, the death of our physical body puts a time limit on our physical 
sinful existence on this earth. We're all on the clock. But you see, God imposed this death sentence for a reason, that we would search more about death and its purpose, and that maybe, just maybe, it would drive us to something or someone. If you have a pencil, I encourage you to scratch down some, some scripture so you can go back and read them in a fuller context later. If you want my sermon notes, be glad to give them to you as well. Uh, but in, in, in Acts chapter 17, we see that, that, that God wants death to push us to find our purpose in him. Right? Acts chapter 17. Right? He, he starts off by saying, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since. And here's the part I want you to lean into and to pay attention to. Since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they will live. Verse 27, he did this so they might seek God, and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. God intends to use death in the life of an unbeliever to drive the unbeliever to seek him, to find him. It, it's, not this, it's not just this thing that's thrown out there that, hey, I don't know what to do with sinful man. No, God intends death to drive the unbeliever to seek and hopefully find him. But, but when we become a Christian, but when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, our understanding of life and death changes dramatically. We should no longer be afraid of it because... The penalty for our sin has been removed by Jesus on the cross. So now, even though we experience physical death, we know we won't experience a spiritual one. So physical death isn't a problem. It's a solution for us because it puts an end to our sinful body. And that's the second reason that God introduced physical death after the fall. He was making a way for something better. The death of our physical bodies sets us free from this container of sin. That a vessel that's corrupt and unrepairable. Paul, I love how Paul describes this. And I don't know if you noticed, but I'm not reading out of the ESV today. As I've been studying and just reading and praying over this. And one of the versions I read out of as I was studying for the past several months and weeks was the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And I just really like the way that it explains several tough topics. So I decided just, we'll just read out of it today. And I love how Paul describes the daily fight uh, that we have against our bodies in Romans chapter 7. In, in verse 22 he says, For my inner self, for my inner man, I joyfully agree with God's law. But I see a different law in parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. See, Paul, Paul sometimes has a spiritual gift as, uh, that I do of being as, just as clear as mud. And all he's saying here is that like, I want to follow Jesus. I have this new spirit in me that was given to me and it wants to follow Jesus perfectly. 
but I still have this war going on because my new, my new creature, my new spirit lives in a sinful, broken body. And there's this war going on, and it's raging. Second, uh, and, and, and we do this, right? We battle with this between the now and Jesus coming so that we learn ever increasingly to put our faith in Jesus and not in our own understanding or our efforts. Second Corinthians chapter 1, Paul shared, um, uh, shared these words in, in, in verse number 9. He says, indeed, we personally had a death sentence within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises from the dead. He has delivered us from such a terrible death, and he will deliver us again. We have put our hope in him that he will deliver us again. We are dying, church, a little bit every single day. It doesn't matter how young we are, how old we are, how well we take care of our physical body, how much we ignore our physical body. We are all dying a little bit every day. We are watching our life fade. And as we do, it should encourage us to rely more fully on Jesus. In other words, we place our certainty and trust in what is waiting for us after death not what we leave behind in death. There's something grand happening for us, and that should make us happy. That should make us glad. See, uh, I know that this isn't the best, or not, not the best. I, I hope it's the best, at least, that I can come up with, but it's not politically correct, this example. But I think it's the one that shows us, because it, it's like a dogfight. In our bodies... There's, this, there's these two dogs that are battling over us. You have one dog who's that new creation that was put into us when we made the confession that Jesus made. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Paul says and tells us at that time that, that you have been given everything that you need for life and godliness. So we have this one dog that is this new spirit, and it wants to, and it will, and it has to follow Jesus perfectly. Follow God perfectly. But that new spirit, that, that new dog lives in a body that is broken. In the Bible refers to it as the flesh. And we think that our flesh, that even though it's dying day by day and it's, it's decaying, we think that it's not powerful. Scripture lends a lot of support to the fact that the flesh is very, very powerful. Paul talks a lot about how powerful the flesh is. So in this, in this body that we have, we have this new spirit, this perfect spirit, uh, but it's, all, it's doing battle with this old dog that's still there. And these two dogs are going at each other. right? One perfectly wants to follow Jesus Christ. The other one wants to perfectly draw you away from all things God and good and holy. And there's this war going on inside of you. Well, which one of those two dogs is us? The new spirit, the old flesh. For the time being, both. That battle will not be over until you're in the presence of your Savior. But we have the power within us to say yes to God in every situation. We may not feel like it. We may not even believe that, but it's true. Peter talks about this. Paul talks about this, that when we are that new creation, we have all that we need to choose 
Jesus every single time. God does not force us to follow after him. Man, there's days I wish he would. There's, there's, there's days I wish he would have just programmed Tony Foreman differently to follow after him, to chase after him, regardless of whatever other influences are going on around me. That he would have just programmed me to love him relentlessly. But what kind of love would that have been? What kind of love would have been if I would have had no choice but to love him and serve him perfectly? God wants you to join, to choose in following after him, in choosing him above all the other lowercase g gods the world has to offer. See, God does everything we, he gives us everything we need. He does all the action in our salvation. He does all the action in our sanctification. He brings us to a faith in him, justification. And then he does all the work after, sanctification, changing us into a better image of Jesus. But he's not going to force us to do that. We have, and we talked about this uh, uh, several months ago, that he has given us the freedom, he has given us the power to quench the spirit. So as we have this devil dog living inside of us and this new creation dog living inside of us, which one of us is, which one is us? Both are us for now. How do we control who wins? The dog that you feed is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. The dog that you hold food back from that you do not feed is going to get weaker and weaker and eventually starve to death. That's what Jesus is talking about right here. When he says, when he says, if anyone wants to come to me, he must deny himself. That denying himself, in one sense, is a once and for all de declaration. Jesus says, you are the Christ, the son of the God, the living one. But then it's a daily proclamation in the way that you live. Denying yourself and choosing the way of God. That's what, that's what Jesus is talking about here in this section of Scripture. And I, guys, I, I want to tell you just real quickly how, how I prepare a message. Like I've known for about two months that on this date we were going to talk about this topic. And that's the way it usually is. Unless something happens right, uh, that, that we need to address, right, that's the way it, that happens. So I have this manuscript that is just a, 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 a pages, a Word document that keeps growing and growing and growing. All the thoughts I have, all the prayers that I've been answered, all these conversations with God, all commentaries that I've been reading, all these notes go into here. There's a notepad by my desk that if something pops into my head while I'm sleeping, I write it down so that the next day I can hopefully remember to grab the sheet of paper and take it and put it in the document. My goal when I stand on, in front of you on a Sunday morning is for that document to be seven pages. Right? When I started at the beginning of the week, that document was 11 pages. Right? You guys don't like it when I preach 11 pages. Right? My wife doesn't like it when I preach 11 pages. Right? So the goal is to get it down to seven. Right? So there was a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff this week that went into the one sheet. So please, 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 if, you're not ha if you don't have a habit of using the one sheet, start this week. Go and download it. If you, if you have trouble finding it, see Scott or I so that we can help you out. Right? Make it a part of your week because it talks so much about some stuff that we just don't have time for today. 
Okay? So please make sure you're using that one sheet because there's a lot going on here. And Jesus says, he tells us, if you're going to come after me, you're going to deny yourself. Pick up your cross. We're going to talk about that next week and follow me. That's the week after. And in here, he tells us how we are to chase after him. So as you read down through here, as you read this handful of verses, I want you to just to focus on just a few things. One, no one can save his own life. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He says, whoever, uh, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will find it. If you try on your own power, on your own understanding to save your life, you're going to come up short every single time. You don't have it within you. Right? That's why Jesus, and that's why Peter made that confession that he made. It's all you, God. God does the saving. Second, uh, there's no profit in gaining the whole world but losing your life. There's no profit that exceeds the value of life itself, especially if we understand life and death by God's standard. Life is a gift from God uh, to those who trust in Jesus. Third, that Jesus will come and he will repay each person according to what he has done. I want to come back to that in just a second, for just a second. And fourth, God's going to return. Jesus is going to return in glory. That's what we're living for. That's what we're waiting for, is for him to return in glory. But until then, we labor. And, and, and we labor, not to earn something, because we have, but because we have been given something. And he said that I'm going to come back, and I'm going to repay each person for what he has done. Jesus repays all humanity according to deeds. For the unbeliever... That's not going to be a good day because their deeds are evil. Human deeds apart from God are evil. They cannot save you. And since they lack forgiveness, they receive judgment. And that judgment is separation forever from all things God and good. But for the, unbeliever, but for the believer, there's also judgment of our deeds. But... <laughs> This is a good thing for us because it's solely, the sole purpose is for Jesus to assign reward to you. I encourage you to please look at this, this topic, this, this idea of eternal reward. Because we talk all the time about good works, not being able to, to earn our salvation. And if you ever hear... Tony Foreman say otherwise, it's time, for me, it's time for me to no longer be in this pulpit. We cannot earn our salvation. But then Jesus changes the, the focus and starts talking about discipleship after we have been granted salvation by Jesus, what our life should look like, and it should be one of denying and death and suffering and doing so willingly. And then as a believer, when our time before the judge comes, he's going to look at us. And he's going to give us his, his words, not mine, reward each according to what he has done. If that idea scares you a little bit, if that idea of eternal reward uh, is something that you haven't heard or looked at and you think that how the pastor's speaking a little bit loopy right now, please, 
Spend time in Scripture about it, studying about it. Use that one sheet as a launching pad. We gave you several different resources. See, our coming judgment for the believer is incentive for us to crucify the flesh to make hard decisions. It's rough, man, because this world offers you some good stuff sometimes. Sometimes that good stuff is a gift from God to draw you closer to him. Be careful that you don't think it comes from anybody else. Sometimes, though, what the world offers you is in, is in stark contradiction to the, what Jesus wants for you. Make sure you are weighing what the world is trying to give you. So as we land this plane, I just want to say two things to you. Ask, actually, uh, end up asking you two things. You see, your walk with Christ begins and ends with Jesus Christ. He, is, he died for you. He ushers you in. And it's all about surrender to him. And that's step one. Have you surrendered to Jesus Christ? And by fancy, I guess, what step number two might be? Surrender. Surrender once to him as your Messiah. Name him. Claim him. Whatever word you want to use, confess him as Lord and Savior. Make that confession that, that, that every Christian since Peter has made. Deny, surrender to him. Deny self. I can't do this. I need you to do it. Surrender to him. Step number two, surrender daily. Paul says, take every thought captive through obedience to Jesus Christ. We can do it. We've been, given this, we've been given all that we need for life and for godliness. It's our choice daily to surrender. So today, if you are sitting here in this room and you have not made the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, I pray that today is your day of surrender. That you fall to your knees, whether that's, whether that's literally or figuratively, and you surrender to him. I can't do this. I've tried, my life is a mess, it's a wreck, I'm, I'm bound straight for hell, I need you, Jesus, and surrender. I believe only you can save me. If you have made that confession, I want to ask you, are you in the habit of surrender? Because we have these two dogs fighting inside of us. One that wants to follow Jesus perfectly, and the other one that is bent on leading you astray. And the one that we give attention to, the one that we feed, the one that, that, that we surrender to, that's the one that's going to rule with ever-increasing degree in our lives. Have you surrendered? And church, if you have, are you in the habit of surrendering daily? We must die to ourself, putting aside self-righteousness and self-indulgence and everything that belongs to us. Our desires, our ambitions, our thoughts, our dreams, our possessions, we must give them away until our ambitions, our thoughts, our wants are the same as God's. And when those two are melded, we know that we are in the right place. I pray that today that we are daily in a habit church of surrendering to our Savior. It is then and only then 
that we are walking in his will and not our own.